You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. The following is from our Centennial Weekend, a sit-down with our Pastor Emeritus, Reverend Larry Blake. We were married to come preach for you on Portland Avenue on a Sunday morning having no clue who I was or how bad I was going to preach. Uh, But you still had me. And it was later that you told me, I think when you were 17 or 18 years old, my great-grandfather, who I never knew, had you come and preach for him. And it's because of men like Brother Blake that have taken a chance on young ministers that I'm here today. And I praise God for that. So I want to first ask you, for everyone that is here, I would like for you to tell us a little bit, down through the years, all of the ways that you have served the kingdom of God. We know you have been pastor here and pastor emeritus now, but maybe some people here have no clue about all those other years. So take us down the road a little bit. I'll try to remember it. What you were just saying brought back memory of Brother Lloyd Romine Mm -hmm. invited me to come and preach for him more than once. Wow. And uh, I was just a teenage boy preaching at the time. In retrospect, I look back on what I preached and I remember it with embarrassment. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I, I... if you need to know anything about the Bible, all you had to do is ask me then. I knew. <laughs> right. But it's not that way now. <laughs> but uh, what was wonderful about this, and uh, to me it is amazing, uh, wonderful, that his great-grandfather asked me, a teenage boy preacher, to come and preach for him. And now... His great-grandson is my pastor. (laughs) I'm humbled. Thank you. What a blessing. What a blessing. And uh, I began as a minister, uh, a young man. I asked Brother M.J. Wolf, uh, should I go to Bible college or not? His answer to me was, If the Lord opens the door and you start a ministry, don't end that schedule that God has opened the door to go to Bible college. It wasn't that he was anti-Bible college. He was very much the opposite. Mm -hmm. But he knew as well as I did then that uh, to leave the evangelistic ministry and go to Bible school might mean that I would marry and and have debts and so forth and never get back in the ministry again. Right, right. And so this is how that happened. Yes. Then Sister Rodenbush's mother Mm -hmm. and some of her family perished in a plane accident and her father, who also was influenced me, Brother Roy Simpkins, 
greatly influenced me. That uh, he went to Carbondale to pastor the church there and left a vacancy. And here I am, 20 years old, hmm. not old enough to sign a document, <laughs> hoping people wouldn't get married until at least August when I'd have my 21st birthday. <laughs> and uh, I became the pastor of that church. Wow. From there, we went into home missions work on the south side of Chicago. We were there for six years, I believe it was. And then from there, Brother Rodenbush, who had been a missionary in Ghana at the time, was transferred to headquarters to work with the Foreign Missions Division in the Bible training program and uh, left a vacancy in the Cobden Church. Mm -hmm. And so we went there to be their pastor. And then... Uh, from there, we, uh, after Brother Rodenbush went to headquarters uh, to open the door for a pastor in a small town of Cutler, Illinois. So small that when Sunday morning came around, the population of the town would almost double. Wow. And uh, uh, pastored there and built what to me to this day is one of the most beautiful churches in the Illinois district. And then uh, the church there was so kind, knowing Brother Rodenbush and uh, Sister Rodenbush were such friends from childhood almost that uh, they made a way for us to go to Africa, mm. which we did on a visit. And then after return, we uh, continued there for some time and then from there we received appointment to West Africa. After this, we came home and uh, evangelized, rather deputized, in uh, Scotland and then in New Zealand with travel between the, the things. And then uh, after that, uh, we... Uh, Having resigned from foreign missions, we, after 18 years under mission appointment, we resigned and became the pastor here. And we've been blessed, with good church, a wonderful church, kind and loving people. And uh, I appreciate the years we've been here. And I'm very, very happy that uh, my friend, the great-grandfather, was the grandfather <laughs> of your pastor. Yes. And uh, my pastor. And Thank sincerely, I appreciate it. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. I appreciate All that. Right. Wow. That's, that's a lot to fit in a lifetime of ministry. And, and I don't know if you caught that, but as he's going through, I lost count of churches at five when he was pastoring five or six different churches, I think, somewhere like that. You lost track too, so. <laughs> and then he modestly went over 18 years of ministry on the mission field before he came back here. 
Um, I'm happy to have Brother Blake's eldest son, Pastor Kevin Blake from Bay City, Texas, here today. Give him a great big welcome. Amen. For, for those that don't have an idea of what that's like, I know you grew up with your dad on the mission field. When he explained coming back for deputation, give, them, give us a little just quick window. What is deputation when you're on the mission field? How does that work, logistics, all of that stuff? When a missionary receives appointment, they have a budget to raise. Uh, this includes their personal support and their work funds that they will expect to need to access while they're overseas. And so this is a large amount of money that that missionary is tasked to raise. And so our method in the United Pentecostal Church is to go church to church, night after night, you're visiting a different church, you present your burden, your need, and ask that church to partner with you. So back in the day, the average uh, time of deputation, we call this deputation, deputational travel, would be anywhere from one to two years. And uh, it was a long time on the road. Wow. Uh, myself, wow. Jonathan, and Camille in the back seat of a Dodge Polara <laughs> for a year. Wow. Uh, that was a long wow. year. Wow. But you know, it, was, it turned into one of the greatest yeah. times for our family overall. We got to see every, if there was a giant ball of string, we stopped and saw it. You know, and it was just a, like a year long. Um, National sure. Lampoon's vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a great time. We just had to make a great time out of it. It can either be terrible or you can make the best of it. And right, we made the right. best of it as a family. And I wouldn't take anything for those years and uh, value it very much. We got to see a lot of the church. There's a great mm-hmm. cross section yes, called the body of Christ. <laughs> and and uh, you know, there's room in this big tent for a whole lot of things, right. and we've seen a whole lot of things. Just, uh, you know, get out the chicken wings, Brother Moses, and we'll start talking. <clears throat> but I do value that very much, and so I think I counted seven churches that uh, yeah. my dad pastored. Okay. And uh, that would have been Cobden, Chicago, Cutler. Monrovia, Bommie Hill, Hill, Glasgow, Scotland, Christ Church, New Zealand, and then Christ the King. Christ the King for a quarter of a century. So so that gives you a little bit of of an idea of how we grew up. Wow, that's awesome. Incredible. And thank you for, and it, it was a blessing we had all of your children here yesterday, and that was an awesome thing. So much. And, and I know we don't have enough time to go through the whole uh, span of your ministry, and I know there's been so many wonderful things. Um, can you give us a high point? When you think of the high points of ministry, of serving the kingdom of God, where, anywhere, not, not relative just to here, but where, what stands out to you? Oh my, so many things, so many things. And wonderful conversions we've experienced, and wonderful, wonderful services. I remember when we went to Liberia on our visit, 
we attended the church there. I will never forget standing on the platform in Monrovia, in Bami Hill, Liberia, and the power of God that came into the service, and I felt it. One time a young minister asked me, how do I know if God has called me to preach? I answered him from the scripture, which says, for it is God who worketh in you both to will mm. and do his own pleasure. Yes. Brother Wolf used to say, if you're a pastor and you struggled with the call, forget it as soon as you can. Just forget it and do what God has called you to do with joy. Yeah. All right. Somebody said, and don't take this extreme, but said, love the Lord with all your heart and do what you please. <laughs> There's a lot of wisdom in that. Yeah, sure yeah. Because you will not do anything harmful mm -hmm. in the love of the Lord. Amen. Because Amen. it is God who gives us the desire. Right. And I told this young minister, I said, you're young now, and if you can look at the years that stretch before you and imagine yourself doing anything else with life, except to preach the gospel, All right. you could be pretty sure that God has called you. All right. Wow. And uh, I stood by that opinion and that uh, answer ever since. God will give you a desire to do what he wants you to do so that you will be happy and fulfilled Amen. in doing what he wants you to do. Praise God. And uh, I think it's a twist on uh, what we expect of people to surrender and grovel and finally yield <laughs> to the call of God when uh, it should be received with joy and gladness and thanksgiving. And I praise the Lord for it. Uh, important uh, events. I can think of several, but... Uh, I don't want to take time, but I want to tell you that part of the greatest blessing I have is in my own children and grandchildren living for the Lord and loving the Lord, and my two sons, both pastors and preaching the gospel. Just uh, the past couple weeks, I was listening to the pod, uh, the pod whatever it is, podcast from yes. uh, Pena Church, and my son Jonathan was preaching, and he preached on the uh, sufferings of the Lord, both the mental sufferings and the physical sufferings that he paid to satisfy justice in, on our behalf. And the Bible says it is God who worketh in you both to will and do his pleasure. But the Bible also says that he took not upon himself 
the form of angels, but he came obedient to death, even yes. the death of the yes. cross. Yes. And as I listened to this message, my heart was stirred, and I thought about my own life. I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost when I was nine years old, was baptized in water three days later after receiving the Holy Ghost, and uh, I was nine years old. Well, how much sinning can a little boy do before he's any older than nine years old? <laughs> how much mischief can a little boy do? And all those things weighed on my conscience, and I repented of that and was forgiven. Water baptism does not take away all of the sin of the future. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that as Pentecostal people, we shun ritual and we want to shout and feel good, and that's all right. But uh, not only is the Bible replete with references to water baptism for a new convert, but the Bible also speaks of the Lord's Supper. Right. Where we examine ourselves. Amen. You may repent and be baptized, and you should and must, but your repenting is not over then. Right. Yeah. You've got a whole lot of repenting to yes. do. Yes, Lord. And so to receive the Holy Ghost and be forgiven childish mischief at nine years old, what does that have to do with the 70 years that follow? <laughs> yeah. But the sufferings of Jesus wow. were enough satisfaction not only that we can be forgiven in childhood, but even when you're 83 years old, you can still be repenting and still be being forgiven. Praise God. Praise God. Because his sacrifice was satisfaction to make possible the forgiveness of sin of all of that expanse of a whole lifetime. And for that, we thank God for his amazing grace. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Brother Kevin Blake, share from, uh, I know you've got some questions. I asked for you to come help me pull out some stories. I know you can go way back. High points, when you think of your father and mother's ministry, what comes to your mind first when I've mentioned high points? You know, some of the greatest high points that I can think of would have been when we were both serving in foreign missions. Oh, yeah. It's global missions now. Mm -hmm. Coming into the general conference together <laughs> in the same parade, mm -hmm. them waving a flag for one country, Jeanine and I waving a flag for another country. Coming in together and see 10 or 15,000 people in that arena jump to their feet and treat us like heroes. Wow. There's not a missionary in that procession that thinks of themselves as a hero. <laughs> we're, just, we're just digging in the salt mine of the 
kingdom of, the, of heaven. Right. And when that happens, it's one of the most humbling mm. experiences, and it's happened repeatedly. Yeah. And we've done this and experienced this together. But there's something about that working in the field together. And um, when they were elected to come here to Belleville, Portland Avenue, we were just down the road pastoring in Sparta. We had just been elected there a short time before. Mm -hmm. And so we're digging away over in Randolph County, and then uh, here this began, and our laboring in the vineyard together yeah. continued on. Oh, and even now, uh, up to this point, you know, there, there's just very few days past that we don't talk. And uh, when we went to Bay City and, and took that church 12 years ago, can that be possible? 12 years ago, <laughs> Uh, we went to Bay City and took that church. And so, again, we kept on with this ongoing daily, weekly conversation of what's happening in your church, what's happening in your ministry, you know, and share the yeah. joys yeah. and share the sorrows. Yeah. That's just been a rich, rich oh, that's awesome. heart. Awesome. Uh, it doesn't get any better in ministry Amen. than that kind of, uh, of fellowship love together. And so uh, I value that very, very much. Amen. 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 Take, take the lead here. And uh, I know you had some questions for your dad. I was going to just say, or, and he's already mentioned, he's okay. already pretty much covered one. But early in your ministry, you talked about being a boy preacher. And I know that you started preaching at about 13 years of age. Your pastor was great-grandpa Miller in Neoga. And so he would absolutely have been one of the first major mentoring-type influences in your life and ministry. But I wish you'd talk about some of the others, uh, starting with Grandpa Miller. You'd mentioned Brother Wolf. You mentioned Brother Simpkins. But talk, uh, talk to us about some of those influences. Some things come to memory. We were sitting in the house with brother and sister Benny Jones at Anna. And the sirens from the ambulances began to make their noise as the ambulances were taking people to the hospital, which was not too far away. Brother Jones said, I don't know who that is, but I better get out to the hospital. Mm. And that made an impact on me. Wow, yes. Because he was not just being a pastor mm -hmm. to the ch his church, but he was being a pastor to the whole community. Community. Mm -hmm. Wow. What an influence. Mm -hmm. An influence for Brother Simpkins. Mm -hmm. And the ministers of Southern Illinois, whose center was the campground at Murfreesboro. Hmm. Illinois was one of the first districts to have uh, a youth camp. The youth camp was called, thanks to Brother M.J. Wolf, Youth Camp and School. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember 
some of the subjects that were taught in youth camp. Youth camp, mind you. Yeah. Genesis. Life of Christ. <laughs> Bible geography. Wow. Wow. Pentecostal doctrine. Wow. It was the Bible school curriculum yes, that was yes. taught to the young people at the camp. Yeah. Wow. And I have benefited from it to this day, wow. their influence. Yes. Another person that I consider very influential was the lady who founded the church at Pena, where Jonathan is pastor now, Sister Hunt. Sister Hunt illustrated elegance and style in her ministry, in the community, and in the church. In a community where almost all the men, all the pastors were men, for I don't know how many years, she was elected by those men to be the head of the ministerial council. Wow. Wow. She taught me one thing that I remember, and that was, she said, when I go to somebody's house in the church or out, I knock on the door, and they say from the inside, come on in, Sister Hunt, make yourself at home. She said, I don't open the door. I stand there until they come and open the door. That was her reserve that she practiced in her ministry. She was a very elegant lady and very successful. And I tell you, to hold a revival for her, you better be able to work. We would have vacation Bible school in the morning. We could go on street evangelism at night and come back and have church and revival at night. Wow. I remember going to the housing project with my accordion, and uh, Ruth and I sang, and there was a little lady that uh, had never gone to church. Her people weren't church people. And she came to the services as a result. And Sister Hunt had a prayer room in the basement where people would go to seek the Lord after service. And uh, this sister went down there. She didn't know how to pray. Sister Hunt knelt on the one side of the bench and taught her how to pray. One night she prayed her first prayer. The next night, Sister Hunt asked me to baptize her. I did. The next night, she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Beautiful. Wow. And I asked Sister Hunt years later, whatever happened to this sister? She said, well, she died, but she died in the faith. <laughs> I thought, what a quick work the grace of God can do. Praise God. Pray your first prayer one night, get baptized the next night, receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking tongues the next night. Wow, wow. Another conversion that was a blessing was 
my father and mother moved here yes. to be close to us. And for the first time ever, my dad would go to church with us. And one night, uh, one uh, morning, really, after morning service, Kevin was in the car, and I've forgotten exactly what caused this to happen, but he was in the car. My dad spoke up from the back seat, and he called me by name and said, Larry, I've been thinking about going to the altar, but I don't uh, know what I'd say or do, and I don't want to embarrass you. Kevin spoke up and said, well, Grandpa, tonight I will go back and I will walk to the altar with you. My dad, who had probably never heard me preach more than once or twice at the most, if even that, walked down that aisle right there with Kevin. And they brought a folding chair for my dad to sit in because he was about 90 at the time. He looked up to Kevin, and as my dad always called people by the name they didn't go by, he uh, called him by his middle name, Lee, said, what do I do now? And Kevin just told him, said, well, Grandpa, put your hand on your heart and say, I'm here for you, Lord. <laughs> and my dad put his hand on his heart, said, I'm here for you, three times. And I mean, the power of God fell on him. Praise God. Praise God. He began wow. to speak with tongues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Years before, my Lutheran cousin, his niece, felt very sad because she did not know if my dad had been baptized. Now, for a Lutheran, the baptism is very important, mm -hmm. even to the point where they baptize infants. And uh, she said, Uncle, uh, uh, said, Uncle Lawrence, I'm afraid if you die and not be baptized, I don't know what will happen to you. Get somebody to baptize you. Ask uh, anybody, doesn't matter who. You can, you can even have Kevin or have Larry baptize you. If you It'll be all right, but I just want you to be baptized. I never knew this letter existed until a long time after she sent it. But it made a pact on my dad, and he asked me to baptize him. Wow. This was way before he moved down here. Yeah. So we went to Brother Dowdy's church in Mattoon, and I baptized him. But uh, here's the point I'm trying to make. The Bible says in one place that the church is a body and every part of that body contributes to the church. Amen. Not so one of them becomes the sole winner. Right, right. But that the body itself may make an increase of itself in love. Right. So my question is, who won my dad to the Lord? <laughs> my Lutheran cousin? She had an impact on him. Mm -hmm. But when he came here to church, 
he experienced the love and concern and welcome mm. of the church. Mm. And he had never experienced that before. I remember one service, which was a Veterans Day service, and my dad walked up. He had been in the Marines in World War II, Tinian Islands, Marianas, and he walked the, up the aisle weeping. He told us afterwards, nobody ever did anything that nice for me as that church did. So who was responsible? My Lutheran cousin, yeah. <laughs> Kevin, yes. Mm -hmm. My mother, myself. Yeah. You see, none of us is responsible, but all of us are participants. Amen. Yes. Amen. And Amen. Uh, I think that's a vision that we need to catch. Amen. That's right. Not just to be solo right. uh, uh, Christians. Right. As good as that is. But as a body, we cause the body itself to increase, and all of us has a part. Amen. Praise God. Wow. I know we have limited time, and this is off script, so, but that's okay because we only get to do this once every hundred years, right? So, <clears throat> Kevin, can you tell me... Uh, some of the significant things, talking about his years in ministry. I know, I know Brother Blake doesn't like to talk about himself, but when we had a special banquet for you at your retirement ceremony, I know that there were, uh, Brother Poitras was here. He read letters from Liberia, Ghana, and some of the work over there and the revivals. Can you just let some of the people in here have no context for Brother and Sister Blake's impact yeah. beyond... CTK O'Fallon now. Yeah. You've seen him in Portland Avenue. Yes. You've seen him here on Old Collinsville Road. Uh, but the rest of the United Pentecostal Church knows him as Bible teacher extraordinaire. Right. Missionary uh, worldwide in demand. Um, many years ago, Brother Bruce Howell was elected as our general director for worldwide missions. Mm -hmm. And one of the first conversations I had with Brother Howell uh, after his election at the general conference, he said to me, I want your dad to plan to come to, uh, to our school of missions every year. I want our missionary body to be exposed to his teaching. And so for every year, for a number of years, yeah. right. uh, they would be invited and brought back to the, uh, to the school of missions and train mm -hmm. every missionary that went out under every appointment missionary. from the United Pentecostal right. Church. Yeah. Uh, they would get an hour every morning uh, of Reverend Dr. Larry Blake. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was tremendous teaching. And uh, even now, to this day, I'll talk to missionaries mm -hmm. who say, I take one set of DVDs with me around the world, no matter where I go. Monty Showalter told me this a while back. He said, I take one set of DVDs and CDs with me everywhere I go around the world. And he does. 
And he said, and that's your dad's teaching from the School of Missions. So not only has he impacted across this pulpit, but he's impacted for many, many years around the world. All of these missionaries take this teaching, take this doctrinal uh, instruction, and they deliver it again and again and again in our Bible colleges all over this globe. Mm -hmm. And so that ministry continues on. And you've been a big part of it because you've been willing to share. Right, yeah. And time after time, this church would uh, rally to the cause, and you'd release your pastor for a week or two or three, and they would go to places like Cameroon and Haiti and uh, Dominican Republic and all of these places all around the world and teach and deliver and help. And so that kind of ministry is going to just live on forever. Amen. Amen forever. And I thank this church for being willing to share like that down through the years. And God bless you for it. Amen. 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 Praise God. You mentioned, you mentioned the Dominican Republic and I know the bulk of your missions ministry focus was in West Africa, but the impact obviously around the world. uh, In 2020, we were privileged to raise money here at CTK to build a church in the Dominican Republic. And uh, as we were in that process, the missionary called me and said, actually, we have a church that needs a building and there's an opportunity. And so we purchased a building for the church in Porta Plata, Dominican Republic. And we did it uh, in honor of our pastor emeritus, Reverend Larry Blake. And so there's a church there dedicated in his honor, in his name. And Lord willing, you'll be hearing some more details, but I want to take a host of you this next May. We already have it on the calendar with the missionary there to go down uh, to see the building, to have some revival services and some wonderful time. And that'll be in May of 2023, Lord willing. So we're excited. Hasn't this been wonderful today with, amen, brothers Blake, amen, today, but honoring our pastor emeritus. Amen. Can we all stand? Give Brother Blake a great big hand. Come on, standing ovation. We love and appreciate all of his.